Book Two, Chapter Six of The Smuggler by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six. Towards half past ten o'clock at night, the inn at Hythe was somewhat quieter than it had been on the evening before. This was not a punch club night. There was no public dinner going forward. A great many accustomed guests were absent, and the house was left nearly vacant of all visitors except the young commandant of the dragoons his two or three servants and three stout-looking old soldiers who had come in about ten and taken possession of the tap-room in their full uniform scaring away as it would seem a sharp-looking man who had been previously drinking there in solitude only cheered by the occasional visits and brief conversation of the landlord the officer himself was upstairs in his room, with a soldier at his door as usual, and was supposed by all the household to be busy writing. But, in the meanwhile, there was a good deal of bustle in the stables, and about a quarter before eleven the ostler came in and informed the landlord that they were saddling three of the colonel's horses and his two grooms' horses. "'Saddling three? cried the host. "'Why, he can't ride three horses at once, anyhow.' "'And where can he be going to ride to-night? "'I must run and see if I can pump it out of the fellows.' "'And away he walked to the stables, "'where he found the men, two grooms and two helpers, "'busily engaged in the occupation which the ostler had stated. "'Ah,' said the landlord, "'so there is something going on to-night?' "'Not that I know of,' answered the head groom. "'Tie down that holster, Bill. "'The thongs are loose, don't you see?' "'Oh, but there must be something in the wind,' rejoined the landlord. "'The colonel wouldn't ride out so late else.' "'Lord bless you,' replied the man. "'Little you know of his ways. "'Why, sometimes he'll have us all up at two or three in the morning, "'just to visit a post of perhaps twenty men. "'He's a smart officer, I can tell you, "'and no one must be caught napping in his regiment, that's certain.' "'But you have saddled three horses for him,' said the landlord, "'returning to his axiom.' "'and he can't ride three at once, anyhow.' "'Aye, but who can tell which he might like to ride?' rejoined the groom. "'We shan't know anything about that, till he comes into the stable, most likely.' "'And where is he going to to-night?' asked the landlord. "'We can't tell that he's going anywhere,' answered the man. "'But if he does, I should suppose it would be to Folkestone. "'The Major is away on leave, you know, "'and it is just as likely as not that he'll go over and see that all's right there.' The worthy host was not altogether satisfied with the information he received, but as he clearly saw that he should get no more, he retired and went into the tap to try the dragoons, without being more successful in that quarter than he had been in the stables. In the meantime his guest upstairs had finished his letters, had dressed himself in uniform, armed himself, and laid three brace of pistols charged upon the table for the holsters of his saddles and then taking a large map of the county he leaned over it, tracing the different roads which at that time intersected the Weald of Kent. Two or three times he took out his watch, and as the hour of eleven drew near, he began to feel considerable alarm for the fate of poor Mole. "'If they discover him, they will murder him to a certainty,' he thought, "'and I believe a more honest fellow does not live. It was a rash and foolish undertaking.' The measures I have adopted could not fail. Hark, there is the clock striking. We must lose no more time. We may save him yet, or at all events avenge him. He then called the soldier from the door and sent off a messenger to the house of the second officer of customs, 
named Birchett, who came up in a few minutes. "'Mr. Birchett,' said the Colonel, "'I fear our friend Mole has got himself into a scrape.' and he proceeded to detail as many of the circumstances as were necessary to enable the other to comprehend the situation of affairs, and ended by asking, "'Are you prepared to act in Mr. Mole's absence?' "'Oh, yes, sir,' answered Birchett. "'Mole did not tell me the business, but he said I must have my horse saddled. He was always a close fellow, and kept all the intelligence to himself.' In this case it was absolutely necessary, replied the colonel, but without any long explanations I think you had better ride down towards Dimchurch at once, with all the men you can trust, keeping as sharp a lookout as you can on the coast, and sending me information the moment you receive intelligence that the run has been effected. Do not attempt to attack the smugglers without sufficient force, but dispatch two men by different roads to intimate the fact to me at Aldington Knoll, where I shall be found throughout the night. I, sir, answered the officer, but suppose the fellows take along by Burmarsh and so up to Hardy Pool. They will pass you and be off into the country before anything can be done. They will be stopped at Burmarsh, replied the colonel. Orders have been given to barricade the road at nightfall and to defend the hamlet against any one coming from the sea. I shall establish another post at Limpney as I go. Leave all that to me. "'But you must have a requisition, sir, or I suppose you are not authorised to act,' said the officer. "'I will get one for you in a minute.' "'I have one,' answered the colonel, laying hand on the papers before him. "'But even were it not so, I should act on my own responsibility. "'This is no ordinary case, Mr. Birchett. "'All you have to do is to ride off towards Dimchurch as fast as you can, "'to give me notice that the smugglers have landed their goods "'as soon as you find that such is the case.' and to add any information that you can gain respecting the course they have taken. Remember not to attack them unless you find that you have sufficient force, but follow and keep them in sight as far as you can. "'It's such a devilish foggy night, sir,' said Birchett. "'It will be clearer inland,' replied the young officer, "'and we shall catch them at daybreak. We can only fail from want of good information, so see that I have the most speedy intelligence. But stay,' Lest anything should go wrong or be misunderstood with regard to the beacons, you may as well, if you have men to spare, send off as you pass, after the run has been effected, to the different posts at Brenzit, at Snave, at Ham Street, with merely these words, The goods are landed, the smugglers are at such a place. The parties will act upon the orders they have already received, now away and lose no time. The riding officer hurried off, and the colonel of the regiment descended to the courtyard. In three minutes more the sound of a trumpet was heard in the streets of Hythe, and in less than ten a party of about thirty dragoons were marching out of the town towards Limpney. A halt for about five minutes was made at the latter place, and the small party of soldiers was diminished to about half its numbers. Information, too, was there received from one of the cottagers of a large body of men, magnified in his account, into three or four hundred, having gone down into the marshes about half an hour before. But the commanding officer made no observation in reply, and having given the orders he thought necessary, rode on towards Aldington. The fog was thick in all the low ground, but cleared away a good deal upon the more elevated spots, and as they were rising one of the hills, the sergeant who was with the party exclaimed, "'There is something very red up there, sir. 
It looks as if there were a beacon lighted up, if we could see it for the fog. The young officer halted for a moment, looked round, and then rode on till he reached the summit of the hill, whence a great light, clearly proceeding from a beacon, was discovered to the northeast. That must be near Postling, he said. We have no party there. It must be some signal of their own. And as he rode on, he thought, it is not impossible that poor Mole's rashness may have put these men on their guard, and thus thwarted the whole scheme. That is clearly some warning to their boats. But ere a quarter of an hour more had passed, he saw the probability of still more disastrous effects, resulting from the lighting of the beacon at Tolsford Hill, for another flame shot up, casting a red glare through the haze from the side of Burmarsh, and then another, and another, till the dim air seemed all tinged with flame. "'An unlucky error,' he said to himself. "'Sergeant Jackson should have known that we have no party in that quarter, and the beacons were only to be lighted from the first towards Hythe. It is very strange how the clearest orders are sometimes misunderstood.' He rode on, however, at a quick pace, till he reached Aldington Knoll, and had found the highest ground in the neighbourhood, whence, after pausing for a minute or two to examine the country, as marked out by the various fires, he dispatched three of the dragoons in different directions, with orders to the parties in the villages round, to disregard the lights they saw, and not to act upon the orders previously given, till they received intimation that the smugglers were on the march. It was now about midnight, and during nearly two hours the young officer remained stationed upon the hill, without any one approaching, or any sound breaking the stillness of the night, but the stamping of the horses of his little force and the occasional clang of the soldiers' arms. At the end of that period, the tramp of horse coming along the road at a quick pace from the side of Hythe was heard by the party on the more elevated ground, at a little distance from the highway. There was a tightening of the bridle and a movement of the heel amongst them, to bring their chargers into more regular line, but not a word was said, and the colonel remained in front with his arms crossed upon his chest, and his rein thrown down, while what appeared from a sound to be a considerable body of cavalry passed before them. He could not see them, it is true, from the darkness of the night, but his ear recognised in a moment the jingling of the dragoon's arms, and he concluded rightly that the party consisted of the company, which he had ordered from Folkestone down to Bilsington. As soon as they had gone on, he detached a man to the next crossroad on the same side, with orders, if he perceived any body of men coming across from the side of the marsh, to ride forward at once to the officer in command at Bilsington, and direct him to move to the north, keeping the Priory Wood on the right, till he reached the crossroads at the corner, and wait there for further orders. The beacons had by this time burnt out, and all remained dark and still for about half an hour more, when the quick galloping of a horse was heard coming from the side of the marsh. A pause took place as soon as the animal reached the high road, as if the rider had halted to look for someone he had expected, and, dashing down instantly through the gate of the field, which had been opened by the dragoons to gain the highest point of ground, the young officer exclaimed, "'Who goes there?' "'Oh, Colonel, is that you?' cried the voice of Birchett. "'They are coming up fast as they can come.' and will pass either by Bilsington or Bonington. There's a precious lot of them. I never saw such a number gathered before. Mole's gone, poor fellow, to a certainty, for we've seen nothing of him down there. Nor I either, answered the young officer with a sigh. I hope you have left men to watch them, Mr. Burchett. 
"'Oh, yes, sir,' replied the officer. "'I thought it better to come up myself than trust to any other. "'But I left Clinch and the rest there, "'and sent off, as you told me, to all your posts. "'You are sure they will come by Bilsington or Bonnington, "'and not strike off by Kitsbridge towards Ham Street or Warehorn?' "'demanded the young officer. "'If they do, they'll have to turn all the way back,' answered Birchard. "'For I saw them to the crossing of the roads, "'and then came across by Sherlock's Bridges and the horse-road to Hurst.' "'And are you quite sure, continued the colonel, "'that your messengers will reach the parties at Brenzett or Snave?' "'Quite, sir,' answered the custom-house officer, "'for I did not send them off till the blackguards had passed "'and the country behind was clear.' "'That was judicious, and we have them,' rejoined the young officer. "'I trust they may take by Bonnington, "'but it will be necessary to ascertain the fact. "'You shall go down, Mr. Birchett, yourself, "'with some of the troopers and reconnoitre.' "'Go as cautiously as possible, and if you see or hear them passing, fall back quietly. "'If they do not appear in reasonable time, send me intelligence. "'You can calculate the distances better than I can.' "'I believe they will go by Bonnington,' said the customs officer, "'for it's much shorter, and I think they must know of your party at Bilsington, "'though, to be sure, they could easily force that, for it is but a sergeant's guard.' "'You are mistaken,' answered the colonel. "'Captain Irby is there with his troop, "'and, together with the parties moving up "'on a line with the smugglers from the marsh, "'he will have a hundred and fifty men, "'either in Bilsington or three miles in his rear. "'Nevertheless, we must give him help, "'in case they take that road, "'so you had better ride down at once, Mr. Birchett. "'And, ordering three of the privates "'to accompany the custom-house officer, "'with renewed injunctions to caution and silence, he resumed his position on the hill and waited in expectation of the result. End of chapter 6